Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Lovely tunes on U105. Good morning to you. 02890 Now... Apparently, nine in every ten people in a survey, this survey uh, was carried out recently, nine in every ten people who were actually surveyed recognise the benefits of having an equal society in Northern Ireland. Okay, think about that, an equal society. But only one in five think that public figures show leadership on this particular issue. To explain more, I have Dr. Michael Wardlow, Chief Commissioner of the Equality Commission for Northern Ireland. Uh, Dr. Michael Wardlow, good morning, sir. Good morning, Frank. With regards to what you were setting out to achieve, why were you doing the survey? Okay. Um, I'm in my eighth year here, and during that time, we've commissioned a series of public attitude surveys ourselves. This one was actually a question in an Ipsos Mori poll, so it was done independently from us. Uh, the sample is representative of the whole of Northern Ireland, so therefore we can draw some conclusions from what was there. And it's, it's a bit like your sports parlance, a bit like a game of two halves. Uh, the positive findings in this report, I mean, you ask why, it's really to find out what people's view of equality is, because it seems that, you know, it's dominating the political landscape, it's dominating some of our social politics, and the words being used and bandied around. And we wanted to sort of track over a period of time people's views on equality, and, and that's what this does. So the, the, the headline for me was that 75% of people say they already believe that Northern Ireland is a welcoming place. Now, that's obviously subjective, and that's brilliant. Now, given that, we sort of asked them, well, do you think equality is important? And consistently over our attitude surveys, in fact, this is higher, 90% almost of people said there are benefits of having an equal society. And in fact, almost the same number said they personally care deeply about making it a fairer place. And that for us was extremely important. And when you think of the, the amount of time that we've had legislation in the 1970s, you know, about women in, in uh, employment and uh, Protestant Catholics, when we then asked about workplaces, um, two-thirds of people said, yep, workers generally are treated with dignity and respect. And only 12% of people said, you know, in their workplace, they actually noticed a lack of dignity or respect so, so for us saying, measuring the sort of state of the nation, if you like, people were saying, in the main, things in some areas are still good. But 90% said law is still necessary. And three quarters actually said that the quality law should be tightened, should be actually increased. And when we said, well, you know, what areas do you think particularly? Not surprisingly, uh, the bulk of people, four out of five, said more needs to be done 
to try to promote equality of opportunity and about the same number more to be done to promote good relations. So if you like, that, that was the, the, the high-level good stuff. Um, do you want me to go maybe some of the more negative stuff? Well, I want you to explain how one in five think that public figures show uh, uh, really aren't showing leadership in, in relation to this. Absolutely. So, so we were asking, if you like, a number of detailed questions around, let's say, the, the landscape. And so therefore, people believe it's important. People want stronger laws. People have witnessed the benefits of strong laws in the workplace and others. And in fact, people said public spaces are mostly accessible. But they then said there's a number of things that they would like something better done about. And those are in areas that you would expect. You know, you're talking about um, travellers and Romas in school, for example, or newcomer children. 60% of people say that bullying at schools are based on children's personal characteristics. We then broadened this out a bit beyond the, the sort of particular and said, well, actually, do you know what groups are protected? And actually about a third said they didn't. We then asked, well, do you know where the equality legislation applies? And again, about a third said they didn't. So th that raises a question for us about there's an awareness gap in here. So the question is, well, how is that happening? Why are people saying it's very important that laws need to be strengthened, and yet people are saying, um, about a quarter of people said, actually, the word equality is meaningless to me. Now, more said it was meaningful. And we got into the idea of, well, is it a word that's the problem, or is it what equality does is the issue? So we said, do you think that public figures, public leaders, now this isn't just politicians, it's those of us that have a public and civic leadership role, do we show leadership and equality? Only one in five said that we did. And that's a very strong uh, message. In fact, 53% disagreed. You know, disagreed with this. That was the fine. That was the most negative. The highest score for a negative comment in the whole of the survey. Would most now, people that, not uh, be thinking, however, about politicians? Yep. Well, that may be the case. But remember, this was in February, so this was before the last two sets of elections. And, and, and I accept what you say. But we've had two and a half years where politicians haven't been taking decisions. And the people who actually are in the public square taking positions on programmes, as well as politicians, are other public leaders. And that includes the people who lead the 130 or 40 public bodies. It includes you know, civic leaders, church leaders, all of us who the public look to for leadership in the public square. Now, I'm equally as culpable as that. This isn't me casting aspersions at other people. So those of us, if you like, in the last couple of years, the public say generally over half you have not shown sufficient leadership in equality. And they've demonstrated in this poll, equality is vital. We're a body, Frank, born out of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement. And when it was signed, one of the core principles that people signed up to was the right to equal opportunity and social and economic activity, regardless of caste, creed, disability, gender, or ethnicity. And they specifically mentioned the role of women. And I think the problem here is that when we use the word equality, it can be used politically, socially, economically, uh, as, as a, almost a word that means whatever it want, I want it to mean. And it becomes a zero sum. So if I get something, you have to get something. And I hear people say, that's not fair, or that's a, a thing for the Equality Commission. And I have to say, you know, just because something's unfair, number one, doesn't mean there's equality protections under the law. And number two, doesn't actually mean that it is, in fact, unequal. So, for example, I'm over 60, I have free eyesight tests. It's not fair for under 60s, but it's perfectly lawful. So I want to move the conversation to the impact of equality. I would prefer that people start talking about, we want it, but what would it look like if there was an outbreak of equality 
for example, in, in socio-disadvantaged uh, backgrounds. We know that if you're a Protestant working-class boy, or indeed a Catholic working-class boy, and you look at the scores on the doors for um, GCSEs and A-levels, that uh, they are much less well-served by the education system. That is, for us, a key enduring part of our inequalities that we're trying to present now. The more we talk about equality as this big concept up there that means different things to different people, and the more we get down to saying, how could your community benefit from equality being lived experience in your communities? I don't think we would have the same disagreements. It's interesting that you say there about the education system and a Protestant working class boy you used as an example mm. is less well yeah. served by the education system, making it sound yeah. like as if it's the fault of the education system, where it could be the fault of that Protestant working class boy's parents or guardians who never encourage him to do a hands turn at school. Well, those things for me are inextricably linked. We have a system at the minute uh, and we divide um, about a third of a million children seven ways. And those include, we have, we have um, mixed schools or co-ed schools, we have single-sex schools, we have, we have state schools, we have Catholic schools, integrated schools, grammars. And, you know, if I were going to start from somewhere, it wouldn't be from here, but we are where we are. Now, in that system, the system, and that includes those of us that support it, that's the teachers, the pupils, and the educational establishments, and parents who buy into that system, because that's the only one we have. That system is actually, in, in my view certainly, failing those uh, children that I've described to you. And this is actually about socioeconomic disadvantage because the one thing that ties inequality together in this place I call home is, is poverty and socio-disadvantage. And yet it's not a protected characteristic under equality law. So even though we know that if you're living in an area that's more socio-economically uh, disadvantaged, you're less likely to have good life chances in, in, in uh, school or in work and certainly access to health services. You're more likely to end up in the criminal justice system, for example. We know this. I mean, it's not the Equality Commission saying this. Our, our reach into this is to say, let's move the conversation to talking about what would a more fair society, a more equal society look like? In other words, the outcomes, the real changes it would deliver for people. And that might mean, Frank, you getting two and me getting one of the bit of equality. Now, that doesn't sound fair, but we already do it for people with disabilities. We make reasonable adjustments for those people, and no one is screaming about it. So I think unless we have this really detailed discussion about what we're saying in this poll, everybody wants more equality of opportunity. And do you That's think... Agreed. That, mm -hmm. Yeah, do you think that progress can be made on what seem like hidden inequalities at the moment compared to the overt inequalities that we had in the past. I had a conversation a few weeks ago with a, a, a man who is about seven or eight years older than me and he was getting involved in, it was in, I'm not going to say exactly where, but it was in broadcasting stroke the media in the, in the 1970s. And he, he applied for a job and he had a Catholic sounding name. And this is a, a Presbyterian who had a Catholic sounding name. And he told me, he said, I was trying to get into the electricians union and I was, mm -hmm. I was blocked because I was a Catholic. And when I explained, I have a Catholic sounding name, I'm not a Catholic. I then got into the union. This particular group of union workers was going to block him because he was a Catholic in the 1970s in a particular organisation. Now, the progress that has been made on that is absolutely obvious. Also, 
when I started out in the media, quite commonly, women who were involved in logging output on television, I'm just using a very mild example, were called officially loggy birds. That's what they were called, loggy birds. They weren't referred to as secretaries. They weren't referred to as members of staff. They weren't referred to as colleagues. They're just the loggy bird will do that for you. Now, if you called someone a loggy bird in the workplace today, in any workplace, that you could end up with the you could end up with a court case against you, and quite under understandably, those are two perfect examples of how obvious progress has been made with regards to equality. One in religion, one in terms of of of, uh, of, of gender. Many many other examples could could be ticked off. Can you see progress being made? where the inequality, or rather, the, yeah, the inequality seems to be more hidden in, in the future because you, you seem to have addressed most of the, the obvious stuff. Well, look, th- there's an issue, for example. You take disability. In my eight years here, we have seen a, a huge increase in the number of people who come to us with uh, thinking they've been discriminated against. We're now over 4,000 every year. And each year, incrementally, the number of people presenting with issues around disability increases. Now, our recent survey said... We think most disabled employees are supported well in the workplace, 54%. And I believe it's another one of those things that you've been saying. Employers are now know what this is about. But, and this accords with our own view, mental ill health, um, the hidden, uh, if you want to describe it that way, disability in this case, less than a third said that they felt workplaces supported it. Now, there's a hidden inequality in the sense that we know it's there. We're trying to get at it. It's not reported very much. But how we've actually addressed that is that we, together with a number of other organisations, have actually uh, helped to create a thing called the Mental Health Charter. And this is trying to, if I could use the word, out this in the workplace. It's looking at budding, it's looking at men, it's looking at talking about mental health the way we would about a broken leg. The head of the civil service has signed up for the entire civil service to this. We've now 100 employing bodies signed up to it. We've organisations promoting this, appointing champions in the workplace. So here's one way that we know there's an under-reporting. We know that people with intellectual disabilities are treated often and treated less well. In other words, they're just treated the same as everybody else. But, you know, there's no use. I have a, I have a friend who had, for example, um, a, a reading problem. It probably was dyslexia. And he said when he went in for an exam, he was given an extra half hour to do the exam. He said all that that gave him was an extra half hour not to be able to read. Now, I know that sounds slightly humorous, but that was somebody's attempt to try to do something for someone with an intellectual disability, but didn't consult the person themselves. So we have made huge benefits, Frank, but they're hidden. What about the newcomers that are coming in? Even this survey said that travellers in Roma and newcomer children are coming out with less, less uh, fewer qualifications than their counterparts. We know this to be true, and we've had the travellers among us for a long time. We know that the attendance rates are high. We know that their performance at school is less than we would expect. And we've been working with others for 40 years to try to better that. This is a slow drip process. But I, with you, say we have made huge... Uh, for example, the three women who were appointed recently, for me, the fact they're women isn't a story anymore. Now, I understand why in some circles they're talking about it. But for me, that actually should be normative. The best person for the job. If I'd been talking to you 40 years ago, even 20 years ago, and looked at the civil service, at the top civil servants, we've now got three permanent secretaries who, who are female. 
that, and that's not a discussion. Look at the party leaders. We now accept this as normative. I don't think it would come about without law, because law actually challenges people in the workplace or in public spaces, but it rarely changes attitudes. It helps because people show that diversity works. So this that I want to have the conversation is around hearts and minds. Law may be part of the architecture, but I don't want people to do things simply because the law requires them to. I want them to do things because it's a darn good thing to do, and they believe we all benefit from the equality for the other. And if we ask that question, what can I do for you, as our foundational question when we enter into discussions, how can I help you have a quality of opportunity? And that was reciprocated. I think we wouldn't be where we are. But it is, it is part of a journey, isn't it? You mentioned the travelling community, just to, very briefly, because come to the end of yeah, this, but you, you mentioned the, the, the travelling community. And not very long ago, if a young traveller had educated him or herself to become an... I, I'm simply going to use the profession that I'm most linked to. I'm, I'm just going to sure. use the example of a, a journalist. If a, if a young traveller became a journalist 20 years ago the young traveller may may have had all the qualities of being a very good journalist. The chances of that traveller getting a job were practically nil. If a young traveller today educated him or herself to become a journalist, I have no doubt in my mind broadcasting organisations on the island of Ireland and across the United Kingdom would knock each other down to be the first person to put a traveller on television, on the radio, or indeed as a major uh, conduit or link from one programme to, to the other in any form of the media. They'd want to be seen to do that. Are they doing it for the right reasons? Well, you know, I I would be talking to friends who live with particular disabilities and they're saying, I would rather people did it because they think it's the right thing to do rather than having tokenism. If you if you look at the whole um, movement for promotion of women, um, we, we've had that debate over 40 years about tokenism, you know, appointing a woman because she's a woman rather than because she has the skills. And it would be the same for a traveller. It could be the optics. I'm sure maybe that happens. But in most cases, it's because they're the right person for the job. Well, let me give you a very simple example. You talked about hidden things. We do a lot of work with travellers, and we had consultations with travellers, about 60 of them in a room a few weeks ago. And, and during that consultation, I heard a couple of things that really <laughs> made me stop in my tracks. Despite legislation, a number of traveller families said to me, when they make bookings at hotels for maybe a wedding or a baptism or a confirmation, they never... Well, they rarely disclose the fact they're from a travelling community. And the most powerful thing for me was a young woman who actually said that when she went for jobs, and this was another person who was a male said the same thing, is they actually hide the fact when they're asked for their address often that they're coming from a travelling background. And when I actually said, really, they said, yeah. Because first and foremost, we feel, now this mightn't be the case, but our perception is we will be discriminated against because we're from the travelling community. Now, there are two things to this. One is we've got to instill and help the travelling community to say laws on their side, people are on their side, and people want to work together to make this a more equal society. So there is a mindset in there, absolutely. But also for us, you know, there are onlookers, people who watch this and don't comment, and we're trying to say there isn't the room for an onlooker. You know, the guilt of the onlooker is something we've suffered from in this place I call home for so many years. We've all got to get involved in this because we all have a stake in the future. And for me, anyway, this is a very positive survey. 
it says we should have this discussion around what equality does rather than what the word means. But more importantly, we've got community background here right across all communities and backgrounds and sectors to say equality is what we want and we want to be involved in it and leaders should be given a much stronger leadership in it. Okay. Dr. Michael Wardlow, a very comprehensive analysis of this particular survey that has been carried out. Thank you for the Chief Commissioner of the Equality. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Uh, commission 